Spider-Man, Spider-Man, dans whatever is Spider-Can. Speeds away, and he sighs, catches thieves just like flies. Look out, here comes Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud, he's got radioactive. Episode 124 for January 2011. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example this month of their great spider deals is on the first issue of the new Venom Ongoing series. The description reads that the symbiote is now in the custody of the U.S. military and a familiar face from Spidey's world is in the suit. The cover price is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Welcome back, gang. First off, I apologize for not getting this show out sooner. Sometimes life just gets in the way. It gives you a 102-degree temperature, makes you shop for Christmas presents, and in the meantime, you got to change some diapers. So, But nonetheless, I'm back, and we're joining this show with the gang reviewing Amazing Spider-Man number 649. And the Hobgoblin is uh, kicking ass like he's been doing for the last decade in South America, all over the globe, being a mercenary, just a badass goblin with guns and grenades. Doesn't he look cool on that glider, JR, at the very beginning of that issue? Well, of course he does. Just you get results, you amateurs, you set a fair price. He's taking down just mobs and gangs, etc., and doing it for money as a mercenary. I'm just like, hell yeah, the bastard's back until the end of the book. Or hell, the first four pages, he goes out like a little wimp. Uh, (laughs) George, we'll start with you. What do you think of the Hobgoblin back and getting decapitated by an out-of-character Phil Urich? Am I getting getting a little too opinionated on that one? I don't know. No, no, no. Well, I mean, that's the whole point of of what we're doing, Brad. Yeah. To give opinion, I mean. Um, Okay. There's been a lot of controversy. People going back and forth. Was this even Roderick Kingsley? Was this even Roderick Kingsley? Mm -hmm. And I'm going, I'm going to defend Dan Slott here and say that, that just from what I've read of this story, that this was, that the, the one that got bitch slapped by Phil Urich out of nowhere is not Roderick Kingsley. We've seen Roderick Kingsley use decoys before, you know, and, and have other people take over the role. We know he's got a twin brother, or maybe had. Um, but this, I mean, when you look, you don't establish this guy as a badass and then have him getting taken out like a bitch. Exactly. You know, now, now you might, I, I take that, hang on a minute, you may do that if like you're, you know, with like Kane and Dr. Octopus, but <laughs> I, just, the, I mean, just, he feels like two different people. For I mean, you, like, George. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, they were saying, you know, if you want to go to, right off the bat, you know, when they're talking to him in the bar, and they're like, you know, if you want to go back to New York and show the kingpin, you can be his bitch. Is there anything in Roderick (laughs) Kingsley's history that says, oh, yeah, sign me up to be someone else's bitch? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, So I I believe right off the bat, I I think right there that uh, that he was probably, he's he's probably shutting out. Now, I may be giving Slot too much credit, And, and it turns out if this was Kingsley... Oh God! What a what horrific a, mistake! What a way to go out like a bitch! And and I mean there, I mean it's yeah. If this if it winds up that that is Roderick Kingsley that Phil Europe killed, yeah, uh, while he was doing his best Joker impersonation, <laughs> um, then it's 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 really going to hit the fan and it's going to be bad. But for right now, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt that saying that this is clever and it goes along with Hobgoblin's mo from the past. So. As far as the hobgoblin goes, um, I don't think it was Kingsley that got that got uh, killed with the giant plus five fire sword. Uh, I don't think it was him that failed his saving throw, you know, what you, the style against the fire sword. And but. we've had Phil Urich in the books, granted in an alternate reality in Spider Girl. He's Uncle Phil. He's Uncle Phil. Yeah, exactly. And to have him come up and have this awful Joker laugh. It right. just seems so out of character. If you're a Spider-Man fan, like all of us are, to have this character who we've loved for a decade plus come in and and murder one of our favorite villains. What do you think of Zach? Uncle Phil is back, insane. And I had to be reminded that he went a little batshit crazy okay, at, the end, at the end of Loners. 
I want well, you didn't, to continuity. You didn't let me give it a grade? Oh, I'm sorry. What's your grade? I'm sorry. My <laughs> <I> bad. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that this would have been a – I would have given this an A-. minus. Okay. Until the a, the Aunt May walks into Tricorp and uh, says, oh, Ben, he's finally done it. And I'm like, well, no shit, he did it ten years ago. <laughs> um, you know, and so there was that moment, and that took it down, and also the uh, the dick joke from Nora that took it down. So I'm going to yeah. give this one. Uh, I'm going to give this one a C plus. Okay, Zach, Uncle Phil, are you ticked? Can I address something right quick? Hit it. <laughs> um, first of all, excuse my language, but when the freaking hell? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did Bill Urich get the the Sonic Lab? And when did Bill Urich get powers? Is my question because Bill Urich, if you remember correctly, got his Goblin powers from the mask of the Green Goblin. That's when the mask got broken and destroyed. The Onslaught Saga. Mm-hmm. That's when um, he quit being the Green Goblin. So. Well, if I mean, you're actually asking the question, from what I've read, I've not read the miniseries, but he had the laugh in that Loner's miniseries. And he also started going crazy, so all of this is not stuff that Dan Slott just made up. Yeah, I, I know, but at the same time, who, who wrote the Loner's miniseries? I think it was, don't quote me on this, I think it was either Sobolski or McCann. Okay, again... Sobolski, McCann. Someone, someone's already Googling in the background. The of- I am. <laughs> yeah, I figured that much. <laughs> uh, listen to the sound of my voice. You got it wrong. Okay. So that, that's number one. On top of that, you've got... Um, <laughs> if this is Rock Inkley, this is fail. I mean, Rock Inkley, ultimate badass in the first half of the story... So whitey pussy in the last half of the story. I, I, I'm sorry, you, you, you can't do that. Um, CB Sabolski and Carl Malone. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you guys got it wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't care who it was. God. Uh, that's just that's. Just, I mean, that was just okay. And the other, uh, all we're going to see something that uh, 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 self fulfilling prophecy that everybody. Uh, that's from Amazing Spider-Man number one, and I'm like, okay, that's a great moment. Oh wait, yeah, ten years ago, and is it, it is any? Well, wait, most of that's out of continuity. I don't care. It was still ten years ago. I mean, Spider-Man for the new 21st century. Ooh. How did he lose his job? At, how did how did he lose his job at Tricorp? I can't even remember. Uh, he didn't show up to work yeah. because he was yeah. off being Spider-Man. Yeah, and, and 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 remember, remember, like right off the bat when he when he starts working at Tricorp, he gets attacked by a villain. He got attacked by the Scorpion. Yeah, and and oh here, as soon as he starts working at at the new Tricorp, he gets attacked by the Hobgoblin. Yeah, it's just it's yeah, exactly. too similar. It's too similar. Yeah, and, but but it ties back into yeah. what I was saying. Remember how everything about this book now, about, about the the tone of Amazing Spider-Man, it's all parody now. It's all character. It's all just making fun of what's been done before. And this this is an all it, it, rated A means all ages, right? Right. Yeah. Why do we have a dick joke in there? Okay, um, can because, I respond you know, to that's that? what Marvel likes. Hit it, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, I keep seeing this criticism, and it's crap. Honestly, the it, the joke is written in a way it does not say anything about a dick. It just says he has an enormous. And when you have little kids reading it, they're not going to say, "Oh, she's talking about his big dick." They're <laughs> going to think, "Oh, she got cut off. What was enormous? Was it his baseball bat? Something." Basically, it's not written in a way that says he's got a big dick. And Kevin, as for Kevin, it's, it's, it's Nora. What is Nora going to say? If it was Betty, I know I that, Betty. but kids aren't going to read this and read the word dick when it's not there. They didn't use the word. I know what the joke is, and I thought it was funny. Would that kids be? A, would that be in a pic- read that. Would that be in a Pixar or Walt Disney movie? Uh, this I don't no, care. No. <laughs> no, no. But honestly, you can have adult jokes, but not one that obvious. See, I don't yeah, think I mean, it's written so kids are going to read that. But also, I, I want to address the part of the criticism that says it's a racist joke. Because I'm sorry, 
I really don't think African Americans are offended by the stereotype that they have big cocks. I, I, I'm, I'm not offended. Give me that stereotype. Uh, the, the Irish and the Asians got the literal short end of that kind of stereotype. Oh, I think oh. that's going to be all right. Oh, my God. Here, come, here comes the hate mail, Brad. Oh, here comes the hate mail. Kevin Cushing at gmail.com. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Cushing's wow. Rainbow Squad. Oh my lord! Even, is quote even, not that kind of girl. This, this podcast has gone off the rails, Brad. <laughs> I'm not that I kind of even girl. Give it ben, what is, Jr. What do you think about Big Chunk? <laughs> Here, let well, me uh, let me read the quote. I, I've really never been turned on by it. I'm not that kind of guy. But uh, <laughs> look, I'm just saying if if. If thinking somebody's got a big dick is racist, oh. give me some racism. Seriously. He's hung like a horse. Anyway, the <laughs> is, I'm not that kind of girl, Ben. It's way more about his washboard abs and yeah. his enormous blank. What is below enormous abs? A giant blank. We all know that. Come on now. Again, we all know that. We can get the joke. I even Dude, laughed at the joke, but you didn't write it. All I'm saying is, I, I'm not saying it's a racist thing because, hey, I'm white and I got big junk. But, uh, <laughs> oh God! But, what, I I, but no, what, I, what I'm saying, what I am saying is that there was a time when Spider-Man didn't have to do dick jokes. No, it's true. It's true. What? Why? Why do we need? You know, I, why is it here? Deadpool, sure, I could understand it, but why is it here in Spider-Man? Here, let's hear from Jason. You know, Spider-Man makes Here's, jokes, and well, I laugh. I need to That's time. all I need to know. Oh, what's your uh, grade, Brad, by the way? Yeah, I didn't get my grade yet. Uh, I would have given it a B because I actually like the artwork better in this issue than it did last. And I think the reason why is because there's no Avengers around outside of True. Outside, outside of Steve Rogers, um, yeah. Captain and Captain Incredible or whatever his name is these days. Um, but no, I like. <laughs> I, I, I would give this. <laughs> I miss Zach on the show. <laughs> Captain Incredible is here. <laughs> To his yeah. sidekick, uh, Captain Uncanny. So B out of you, Zach. Yeah. Uh, Jr. I you're, got B. You're, you're reading an all ages comic dispenser, and you come across that Nora line. What do you think? You know, boy, I Are tell you, you um, it, I, I I don't know what it is. I I what it did it it all, This is the thing about dirty jokes. Mm-hmm. I like dirty. I I. I do like dirty jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, unfortunately, uh, I've been letting Spencer watch Family Guy. So, which, oh, there you go. Yeah, which not uh, <laughs> <which>, said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, which does not make it. You know, which is probably a mistake on my part. I, I that that was very lazy parenting on my part. Uh, but that's another story. Uh, I, there, but he, I like dirty jokes. But here's the reason I don't like this particular dick joke or the like. <laughs> Or the fart joke is because they're old. I mean, yeah. it's not funny. I mean, I, I think I've heard every variation of, you know, <laughs> dude, tell me something new. I mean, it's not that it's there, but that it's there and it's old. It's just not, yeah. to me, it's, it's not offense. The, the only thing offensive about it is that it's not funny. It's like, you know? it's like Rich Little doing Reagan jokes in 2010. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which just did, actually. Wow, that is a good analogy. Well, yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah, they, they were funny, you know, 30 year, you know, 30 years ago, but, wow. you know, so, uh, excellent. I just, I just amazed George with an analogy. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. Uh, you're, you, you like the Hobgoblin. I think that's one of your favorite storylines from the 80s, right, JR? Most definitely. And they just killed him like a bitch. What's Ooh. that about? Boy, yeah. I tell you. The thing is, yeah. the, the, you know, I, <laughs> there probably isn't enough time for me to discuss all the ins and outs of this story. Um, I, I tell you, it didn't bother me as much, I think, as people will think it would for a number of reasons. One, I have to concur with the, 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 the doubt that whether or not it's really Roderick Kingsley. Mm-hmm. Because when he comes in, when when he meets the kingpin, you know the kingpin basically require, you know, ask him to basically, you know, well, talk about dick jokes. He basically tells him to <laughs> fall on his knees and, you know, do that. Do, do, <laughs> what, know, do what, Jr. Uh, that. <laughs> what goes for the well, bobs? Fall on his knees and what? Know, his enormous, you know, and we're talking about the kingpin here, so I guess we really are talking about, uh, you know, some enormity. But, 
but uh, I, I don't see Kingsley, you know, saying, "Oh yes, I'm your hobgoblin." Yeah. Uh, more so than anything else, that that is not that's not Roderick Kingsley. Um, so, and I think that there's enough of a uh, I, I, there, there's enough outs for it not to be Kingsley. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I actually thought that Kingsley was going to get taken, or whoever was going to get taken out for there to be a new Hobgoblin. I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. Um, and actually, I like the idea. I hate to say this. I like Kingsley a lot, but with Norman back, it's hard to get over some of the redundancies. Um, but I don't like it when somebody, I mean, if this is truly Kingsley, uh, I don't like it when somebody else kills off another writer's famous characters. That kind of, that bothers me. Um, and, um, but I do like the idea of a hobgoblin being a younger man. Uh, someone who's closer to Peter in age and experiences. I just, I think, you know, because we've had middle-aged goblins for decades, uh, and I've got, you know, I don't want to get into my problems with the Harry, Harry Green Goblin. That, again, don't have enough time for that. I kind of like this twist on the Hobgoblin. I really do. But there's no build-up to it for me. I shouldn't have had to read the loners or the losers or the yep. boozers or whatever to know that Phil Urich has kind of, because I don't know why Phil's lost his mind. Exactly. You know, I, I don't know why. I can't put it in the proper context. Uh, you know, maybe that's coming, but, you know, and, and plus, whoever the Hobgoblin is, if it's Kingsley or Daniel or another tool, you know, he shouldn't have gotten taken out this easily. You know, they just, he gets taken out way too easily. Phil, he, and again, like it's been mentioned before, I, has it ever been established that Phil had, was able to get the powers outside of the mask? Because I thought it was pretty definitively stated. He needed the mask. Evidently, was, it's been in that lo- that loner's miniseries, I guess. Yeah, but but there's a big gap between that. You know, there's a lot of stuff you have to take on faith yeah. here. It just really doesn't. It's not really good storytelling, I don't think. No. You know, I, I so it is really you know, and there's some other things that bug me in this story too. Frankly, I'm tired of the kingpin. Mm. I'm really tired of the kingpin. I mean, it's like. I, I know that I'm hardly one to talk about resurrecting a character and continuing to bring him back. But it's like, how many times is the kingpin like coming back to re- rebuild his criminal empire? Uh, again, it's like I said, you know, for a new beginning, there's nothing new. Um, you know, and uh, if number, I, I would say this, if number six does not look like Patrick McGuhan, I will be severely disappointed. Uh, so... Um, I have to give this story a C minus. I mean, it just—it's just very awkward. And for the things it asks you to accept, it, it doesn't set them up very well. So it's not a really—it's—it's it's very awkward storytelling. So I have to give hey, it a C. Hey, if it, hey, Jr. Hang on. Yeah. Can I ask Jr. real quick? Yeah. Jr. If if it winds up that and and this is how I think it's going to play out that eventually Kingsley is going to actually come back and it's going, to, it's going to be revealed that it wasn't Kingsley and he's going to make some kind of giant power move and come back and beat the shit out of Phil and he's going to look like the you, do you think this story could actually I mean like because that would be a pretty good story wouldn't it yeah I'm, I'd agree if, if that happens I'm going to look at that and I'm like okay for once you know it's it's like the brand new verse doing something really really in character and really really awesome as far as I'm concerned but like, so who is I, this I'm imposter? Giving, yeah, I'm giving Slot the benefit of the doubt and saying that I think Slot is setting up the real Kingsley to be alive and to come back and totally school Phil Urich. Now, if that doesn't happen, so he's got two ways. He's either got no, it really was Kingsley, in which case, oh, people are going to be pissed, or he can go, oh no, it wasn't Kingsley, and oh, hey, look, this is Kingsley, and look, he's beating the shit out of somebody. Then people are going to go, OMG, WTF, awesome song. <laughs> well, so, here's my th- well, here's my thing here. I don't think. I mean, if we're going to set up Phil Yurick and the Hobgoblin as a big villain, I don't think it should be. I mean, the hero of the book should be taking him to school. The hero yeah. of the book yes. should be kicking his ass. Yes. You know, I mean, I, yes, I mean, for us Goblin fans, you know, yeah, it might be fun, but to me, that you know, the hero of the book should 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 kick the ass out of the kick the, the villain's ass. Plus, I'm I'm I liked really what Glenn Greenberg and Roger Stern had planned with Phil originally was that he was Norman's stooge. That that was Norman's revenge for Phil being the Green Goblin was Norman using Phil to do his dirty work. I like that idea a lot better. I'm very disappointed that that didn't play out. Um, but you know, as far as your idea, George. 
you know, it could work, uh, but I, I'd really have to see the. I'd have to wait yeah. and just see the execution. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Jared, yeah. uh, while well, we still got you talking, uh, real quick, did you read Osborne number one, the miniseries? We're not going to go around the bin, but I want to personally hear your two cents on the mini. Uh, it's almost too early. Um, yeah. Again, I'm all, I'm worried. I'm worried that this story is going to be more about these other villains that they created out of thin air me than too. it is Norman Osborne. I mean, I want this story to be about Norman Osborne. Yes. By the way, is he drawn a little like William Defoe? <laughs> uh, but so I mean, it's a five part mini. But I they they gave a lot of ink establishing these characters we've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm really bothered by, I was really bothered by Norman coming on to the, um, you know, the, the female villain, the, uh, the, you know, come and saying, wouldn't you be more comfortable, like, with no clothes? <laughs> uh, that's not, I, that's not Norman. I mean, Norman's feelings about women are a lot more complex than that. I, even though he does, he's a user and he has no respect for them. And I like yeah. this next line. The next line was great. You know, that when I'm ruling the world, you know, smart women are going to be the first one to be executed. <laughs> that's Norman. That is Norman. That is Norman. But, but to be such a bad, you yeah. know, to come on, you know, to, 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 to you know, to come on like a, uh, you know, like a, a drunk at 2 a.m. In a, in a local tavern, mm-hmm. is, it was not. So a very, very rocky start. And you weren't able to get the goblin tattoos at your local shop, but I talked to Josh, and I think he's mailing you and Spencer some, right? Yes, uh, Josh and I have been in communication, so I'm eagerly anticipating those. And I have to get a picture of you and Spencer with your goblin tats. That's going to be awesome. Well, <laughs> you can get a picture of Spencer, but to quote J. J. Jonah Jameson, uh <laughs> You'll have an easier time getting a picture of Julia Roberts in a thong than you will getting a picture of this weirdo. Okay, maybe so. just your arm or something. You, <laughs> okay. you know, in, in reviews of this, we didn't talk about the Goblin Society either, where everybody is part of the supporting Norman Osborn. What do you think of that movement, Jr.? I did, you know, in a way, it, it goes into with the, you know, it kind of is like echoes of the old Goblin cult from the, <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I hated it that it was white supremacists. I'm sorry, gather the gathering thing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm disappointed that it has to be motorcycling white supremacist. You know, because the whole idea of people, what, what is scarier, for example? What, what is truly scarier? Uh, let's go back to Hitler. Uh, let's say, you know, what's truly scarier? The, the, the dregs of society following Adolf Hitler or the intelligent people? following Adolf Hitler, right, the intelligent right. people being conned by Adolf Hitler. What's more scary? Um, this is just, this is just, I don't, again, you know, it's, it's, sometimes I think we do get overwrought when we analyze these stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I'm th- if, if, if we were really writing these, you know, and we were doing these under deadlines, you know, it's easy for us who have all the time in the world to read them. Uh, to judge somebody who doesn't have all the time in the world to write them. Mm-hmm. So I, That's I, a good I line. Wanna, I, I don't want to belabor that, uh, but I, I but you get you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, uh, Kev, what do you think, sir? Um, I couldn't disagree with most of you more on this issue. I really like it a lot. Uh, I liked. Uh, it, it felt like great scene after great scene. There was fantastic, amusing dialogue. I was laughing out loud at JJJ. I think it was this issue. He had the line where he uh, he met Steve Rogers, and JJJ says, "This must be a great honor for you." And that's <laughs> that's classic JJ. I love that. Um, I'm digging the team up with the Black Cat. I always like the two of them kind of doing the superhero team up thing. I think it's working well. I'm all around enjoying the direction and the momentum we've got going. This is exactly what we've been saying about having a single writer's vision on the book. We can have things building, like the, uh, the Matt Gargan thing and the, uh, Alistair Smythe Spider Slayer thing and all that stuff. It's, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And as it goes for the whole Roderick Kingsley, Phil Urich thing, I don't think it's Roderick Kingsley that got killed. But even if it was, Dan Slott did it in an intentional way that any writer later down the line can bring back Roderick Kingsley whenever the hell they want to. Because Dan Slott has been writing comics for over ten years. He knows damn well that if you don't see a body, then there's no death, and he intentionally wrote him getting killed with his mask on. Oh, okay, but we saw a head. 
Just like the we, same type. Yeah, of we saw a head were. with a mask. Well, yeah, on. somebody got their head cut off. Sure, but it's if you know Roderick Kingsley's history, there's nothing in his history that says that this is even Roderick Kingsley. Exactly. Half the time you've seen the Hobgoblin in the comics, it was not Roderick Kingsley, even if Roderick Kingsley was in control. So the fact that we saw somebody in a Hobgoblin costume get his head cut off, and we saw a head with a Hobgoblin mask on, does not in any way mean Roderick Kingsley is dead. And even if Dan Slott doesn't himself have plans to bring back Kingsley, Dan Slott knows that, and he wrote it that way for a reason. So I have no problem with that. I don't think Kingsley's dead. But you want to know the truth? Even if it was Kingsley, I don't have a problem with it. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, there's a lot of people talking about the line of Kingsley saying, I'm your hobgoblin to the kingpin. But let's think about what that situation was and who Kingsley is. Kingsley is a smart man, a very smart man, who knows how to get what he wants, knows how to use people. If he sees the kingpin as somebody he can use to get back to the top, he is not going to let his pride keep him from saying something behind closed doors that will help him use the kingpin. That is something that's getting him into the kingpin's trust and if he's planning to use the kingpin to get his status back, he's not going to just stand on pride and fly away and throw his plans away. I think even if that was Kingsley, you can easily make sense of it that way. And if we're talking about Kingsley getting punked by Phil Urich, well, how many of you have read Crawl Space number two? And think about if you've read the scene that I wrote where Harry kills Norman. Norman's a badass, too, and the reason that Harry was able to kill Norman is he took him by surprise with a power that Norman did not know he had, which is exactly what Phil did here. He took Kingsley by surprise with this laugh that actually made Kingsley bleed from the face, and Kingsley had no idea he had this. Can so it's it really Joker? Can we call it the Joker cry? Yeah. You can call it whatever you like. <clears throat> now, really, it's, now it's Kevin, a very similar situation. Kevin, when you read this... I, I instantly thought of what you'd written before. I mean, do you think, well, that, that's a, uh, accusation gonna, of plagiarism. If you're going to ask me if I think Dan Slott ripped me off, the answer is a definitive no. Okay, that's what I, I wanted to ask. I do not believe that Dan Slott has even read Crawl Space Number 2. Because mm -hmm. um, he wrote it. Even if he had, this is not a difficult conclusion to arrive at. When I was trying to think of how you definitively kill a goblin yeah. so he can't come back. Cutting his head off is about the only conclusion you arrive at. So I, it's it's not far-fetched at all that Dan Slott comes up with that conclusion just like I did. And the same thing. The only way Harry could really beat Norman was to take him by surprise. And it's the same thing here. The only way Phil can really beat Roderick, if it is Roderick, and of course, even if it's not, Slott's going to write it so it's believable that it is, the only way Phil can beat him is to take him by surprise. Again, not a difficult conclusion to arrive at. So I clearly the scenes are similar, but I in no way think Dan Slott ripped me off. Uh, I, I really don't even think he's read that. And yeah, and I also I haven't read the Loners miniseries, but I completely buy Phil being kind of batshit at this point, just from what was written in the issues. We saw last issue where he's just kind of talked down to. Uh, he's, he's lugging around packages, and this is kind of what he's been reduced to. And in this issue, he's, he's in this bunker trying to find goblin things to impress Nora. So we find out that he's got a thing for Nora. And, and we just saw him last issue getting pretty much beaten down by Nora. And so in this issue, we then see the final indignity that the Hobgoblin is calling him a Green Goblin ripoff. And yeah, I can totally buy that that just makes him go, you know what? Fuck this. I am done with this. And you're a dead man. So yeah, I completely buy all of it. I thought it was written very well. And I am interested in Phil as a villain now. I'm interested in him as the Hobgoblin. I'm interested to see where it goes. So yeah, I disagree with all these criticisms. I buy this, and I really, okay. really enjoyed this issue. I'm going to give this issue a solid A. Wow.
You know what? I had fun reading comics, and that's exactly well, that's what good. I want. I am and, open to having fun reading comics. And George, you're calling Yurik. It's got the Joker laugh. If you look at one of the panels where he's in the Daily Bugle, he's got a nice purple coat also. Oh, does he? Yeah, he does. Um, uh, I, I'll give it a B plus. Uh, the dick joke doesn't seem like an all ages. Uh, I'm a sap for a good... Aunt May, Peter Parker moment, even if it's been done before. But I love the line, he did it, Ben. I just, you know, it just kind of chokes you up since you've been with these characters for so many years. Uh, I really hope it's not Roderick Kingsley. The, I grew, I, I've said it many times on the show, I'm a kid of the 80s. The goblin that I grew up with was Roderick Kingsley, the hobgoblin, before Norman. And to kill one of my favorite characters off in a couple panels, is just so so wrong, especially after we, I've been wanting him to return for ten years, which I really hope George's theory is correct because that will make a good uh, story that slots going on if he comes back and just takes Yurik to town. Well, we got uh, myself, Jr. and Kevin left to talk about the rest of the spider topics for the month. The first one that's making headlines around the net is about the the preview. Evidently, people can buy tickets to get a preview of the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark musical. Uh, opening night had a lot of problems. Uh, people were hanging suspended from the sky. Uh, parts of the set fell down. Parts of the set just didn't even show up. Uh, several people have been injured, um, etc. And the production... Lasted uh, three and a half hours, and in the last ten minutes, the show was completely stopped for another half hour to work out kinks. Bad opening night, would you not say, guys? Yeah, it's uh, certainly not what you want out of a preview. <laughs> I know, especially it, one that's sixty-five the, million dollars. Yeah, but it is kind of the train wreck we were all thinking it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it hasn't officially opened yet. It's still, I guess, practicing, but. Yeah, really, yeah. if you're that not ready, you yeah. should hold off on your previews. I wonder if they're charging the folks a uh, full ticket rate for this thing on preview nights. Well, I don't know if it's full ticket rate, but the average the average price of a ticket was $117. Gosh, man. Exactly. How would you like to pay $117 to go watch a, a spring training game? Oh, <laughs> no doubt. But the I NFL know, I might just pay $117 or 70 or whatever you said to go watch a guy hanging from the rafters trying to play Spider-Man. Is, is this like uh, the front row seats or is this like the nosebleed section? I wonder. Well, the front row seats would probably be around 300 bucks. Oh, my gosh. Man. But it would be cool to see Spider-Man dangling over your head. I think that'd be kind of cool, but man. Uh, Conan O'Brien and uh, all the late-night people have been having fun with the production. I think they're pretty hilarious, actually. To me, this is, though, this is the real core problem of the why they're having so many problems with this particular musical, is that, to me, Spider-Man is a more is a smaller, more intimate story. And that's one reason I think this Broadway play is all wrong for it. Not because they're doing a musical, a Spider-Man musical. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, to, it, it just, Spider-Man to me is a smaller, more intimate story. You know, Superman is something you go all out for because Superman is literally God, a god on Earth. Spider-Man's an ordinary kid who got superpowers. It, it, to me, it doesn't lend itself to this kind of spectacle. And the fact that the spectacle is absolutely falling all over itself, you know, crashing down is, is, Frankly, no surprise, and yeah. uh, I think that's one reason why people are enjoying uh, every miserable yeah. moment of it is because it's so clear that they, they misunderstood the core material and overreached. Yeah. Well, and from all the reviews I'm reading, it sounds like it is mostly parody. Uh, you've got things mm-hmm. like apparently there's like a supervillain fashion show in the middle of it with Carnage, and it's like, okay, we're not taking this seriously at all. Man. Other there's like dream sex with a spider god or something. What? Sounds like the comics. Wow. The other uh, Spider News uh, making headlines is more casting in the Spider-Man reboot movie coming out in 2012. Uh, Richard and Mary Parker have been cast. Uh, Campbell Scott and Julianne Nicholson will play uh, Peter's birth parents. Uh, I really know nothing about those two except they were both on Law and Order Criminal Intent. I don't really know about Campbell Scott, but... But yeah, Julianne Nicholson was one of the main detectives on Criminal Intent for a while. She's very cute. Yeah. Does she? Okay. She looks. She could 
play uh what's his name's mother i guess i don't know got the look down also she's not that old though i mean she's only i think she's only in like her mid 30s also I think she's 10 years younger than the guy the one casting bit that everybody i think went wtf was Irfan khan has been cast to play a villain by the name of van adder and People had to scrounge to find out where this character was even from. Evidently, he appeared in Peter Parker's Spider-Man Negative One from years ago. Jr., do you remember this story? It's it's a Goblin related. Yeah, it's the proto Goblin story. Nels Van Adder was an assistant of Norman Osborn and was uh, one of Norman's test subjects for the original Goblin formula. Whether that's where they're going with this or not, I have absolutely no idea. I mean, was that story any good? I barely remember. It was a Howard Mackey written book. There were some interesting parts to it. I mean, the interesting things that were brought up. But, I mean, if you were really going to do a... It's kind of a dumb... It was kind of dumb, though. I mean, uh, the proto-goblin was was stupid. <laughs> Basically, the, did the serum get injected to him? He turned red and, and just went crazy? Is that what happened? Yeah, well, he turned into a monster. I mean, basically, yeah. he literally turned into a monster. Uh, and really, the thing is, you know, I think Norman was working on his own version of the formula, and I think at the very end, he actually discovers Strom's notes, which right. I guess ultimately will help him refine the formula. And uh, if I remember the last panel, Van Adder walks off into the swamp or something, never to be yeah. seen again in 600 issues. Right. The whole idea of those minus ones, Sarah, I mean, what they said with the minus one was that they were going to be followed up, you know, later yeah. in the Marvel Universe, that these things actually did have a point. Well, they, they didn't. I mean, right. uh, they, they were they were all, you know, pretty much collectively a colossal waste of time. Right. Uh, just a strange, strange way to go to it. But it could mean that Norman is going to appear in the second film possibly or maybe a cameo in this one i don't know well and it might not even be him i mean the fact that they the idea that they went to so much research to pull this guy out of this one issue seems contrary to why would they spell it wrong because <laughs> in the comic books it's a d d e r and what they've been putting out in the press is a t t yeah. so yeah. it's we're assuming but it's not even definite Right. But but has has the studio actually been, you know, is it an official press release that's calling this character the name, or is it, you know, all these other sources, you know, saying, oh, we think he's playing a character called this. I mean, so, I mean, because they get everything wrong, yeah. you know. Yeah, there's really. no official press release. The only, the source of the article is from the Hollywood Reporter, and they say exclusive. So, yeah. you know, it could be anything. The yeah. uh, other thing that was actually in that book, that negative one, that played a role was the Stacy Brothers, a very blonde uh, uh, George Stacy is in that book, and it just right. so happens uh, Dennis Leary has been cast as George Stacy, who is also blonde. So I, I met, I'm wondering if they got a George Stacy role based on that one book. Well, Captain Stacy is also a blonde in Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I didn't you know, think it's, it's still up in the air where they're taking most of their source from, but it would make sense because Captain Stacy is younger, more around the age of Dennis Leary in Ultimate, whereas obviously he's pretty old in the regular continuity. He's Ze uh, Zephyrin Cochran, right, JR? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, the other bit of Spider news this month, uh, it's been announced, Marvel announced that they're going to release a Venom ongoing. Uh, it's speculation who's going to be in the symbiote suit. My opinion, Flash Thompson. If you look at that image on the front page, uh, it doesn't look like he has a foot. Wouldn't. Well, you know, I was saying Flash Thompson for many reasons, but they released a little bit more preview art, and they show a version of whoever this guy is in, like, um, tactical gear yeah. uh, that looks like Venom before the symbiote kind of goes on him, and the guy's got legs. Well. So I guess... It's possible that maybe Flash was getting some cybernetic legs or something, but then what is that real draw of wearing the symbiote, you know? I guess the bigger question is, what do you think of Flash having the suit? Is that a good thing for the char both characters? I think it would be interesting with, uh, basically, if it was something that gave him the ability to walk, uh, that would be an interesting kind of conflict that, you know, if he knows it's kind of a bad thing, but it's the only way he can walk and serve his country again because it's supposed to be a, a government project thing. So which it makes, could be interesting. Which makes sense because he's in the military, etc. Exactly. I, I, actually, I think it's a moot point because I don't think it's Flash. I think it's John Jameson. Why do you uh, think that? Well, be, for one, because the just the... Um, 
the fact that, you know, when I went back to, you know, kind of reread these issues, John Jameson actually has been rather prominent uh, in the last couple of issues of Spider-Man. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, the uh, he uh, he visited, he and Marla visited Aunt May and, and Jonah Sr., you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they started having a heart-to-heart, you know. Uh, and then also in another issue where Jonah... The, the, I think of the one that you like, Kevin, where Jonah asked Captain America if he wanted his autograph. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Jonah was saying, "No, Spider-Man's not a hero. My son John is a hero." And, and John <laughs> says, "Oh, it's okay if you know." And John walks in and says, "Oh, no, it's okay if you uh, give give the day to Spidey." And and Captain, I think Captain America says something about him being being his pilot, although it's maybe yeah. the. Because the the chameleon is also Captain, you know, Steve Rogers in this too. But John's been prominently featured in a couple of issues. Yeah, uh, I noticed that too, and and more, I do agree. So and it flash. And it also uh, kind of makes sense that these same issues where John's being featured, uh, you're getting the origins of this whole project Venom because they pulled the Venom symbiote off a of Mac, and yeah. they said they're going to yeah. study it and see what they can do with it, which you know that where that's where that's going to lead. Yeah. So that does make sense. Hmm. Well, I'll pick up the book. Are you fellows, or have you sworn yeah. off everything except Amazing? Yeah, the only Marvel I'm buying anymore is Amazing Spider-Man. Jay, are you going to pick I, it up? No, no, no. no. The, only, the only way I'd pick it up is was Venom was Norman. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be cool. All right. I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, we're going back uh, this month in Spider History with JR. We're going back to December of 1990, uh, five months after uh, Adjectiveless Spider-Man sold a million-plus copies. Uh, amazing number 342, which has the scorpion whacking uh, Spider-Man and the black cat hopping in for the rescue. This one's called The Jonah Trade. Uh, title written by David Michelini and Eric Larson. This is the first appearance of Dr. Elias Witham, who is Cardiac. J.R., what was this book about, and did you like it? Well, it's, um, uh, uh, first of all, the uh, the appearance of Doctor Witham is very brief. Um, so, and, and it's only the Doctor. It's not as Cardiac. Um, you know, for, for all of our uh, listeners out there, Cardiac is another one of those 90s-era violent vigilantes, and he goes after the health care system. Now, to me, this is like one of the dumbest ideas because if you really want to go after the healthcare system, you have to go after the insurance companies, uh, the paperwork, the bureaucracy, the corruption, uh, the fraud, uh, and the non-payment of claims. So really, what you want is super accountant. You know, you don't want somebody with a gun. You know, I mean, so what's who's he going to shoot? You know, is he going to shoot the the, the moron that uh, you call when you call up Blue Cross and Blue Shield? So <laughs> anyway, but what the story was about, getting off my soapbox here, what the story was about was Spider-Man. This is after the death of Nathan Lubinsky, and Peter gets another one of his dumbass ideas. Oh my God! If I die as Spider-Man, Aunt May won't be able to take it. She's had so much loss. So he goes to this person and has him take away his powers. Oh God! Mm-hmm. And um, and this is like the second issue of that. And um, you know, Peter. But Peter, you know, even though without his powers, he still can't stay out of the costume. And uh, he realizes that oh, this might not have been a very good idea. Well, <laughs> duh. You know, uh, the, the idea—it's not a bad idea to have Spider-Man be powerless for a while. Because, it worked in the movie. Well, the thing you realize, and, and the story does kind of make the point, is that Peter Parker is a lot different than the guy he was when he first became Spider-Man. Now, he even without powers, he doesn't want to turn away when he sees wrongdoing. He doesn't want to turn away, you know, when he sees injustice. He wants to go combat it, even though he doesn't have powers. Theoretically, that would you. It would almost be something like that old what if where he came up with some kind of gadget, you know, uh, that, you know, gave himself eight arms or whatever. He borrowed from Doc Ock. That's a long story. And it was a what if story. But therefore, the logical thing would be what would Peter Parker do? If he didn't have his spider powers, he would be some kind of hero. What would he do? And you could have had a good arc, long arc about that. But no, I mean, it's, it's basically, it's yeah. one of these, you know, uh, <laughs> gimmick stories and, uh, it winds up being resolved in the next issue and, right. you know, 90, uh, you know, typical 90s crap. Also, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 171 came out this month. Uh, title is called Ordeal, written by Jerry Conway, art by Sal Buscema, and this one has the puma in the background. The oral deal begins, but who will survive? Spider-Man or the puma, part one of two. Uh, what, what was this one about, Jr.? Is this saying well, the, the real ordeal is the one for the reader. Um, 
I, I have to confess, part of it is I never, never, never liked Puma, Puma, whatever. No. Never liked it. I don't know why you would name a superhero, uh, a villain after a tennis shoe, you know. I mean, I expect him then to fight, you know. Reebok. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why would you name a villain after a tennis And then Fire, he really wasn't quite a villain. But it was this whole, you know, the, the whole thing starts out with, you know, Fireheart and Peter sitting in a camp, sitting by a campfire, each in their underwear, each with clay painted on their faces. And, <laughs> You know, and inhaling some, in, in, inhaling uh, a Native American version of LSD and having visions, and <laughs> you know, it's it's utter waste of time. Yeah. You know, Fireheart, you know, because this whole debt of honor thing, Fireheart said, you know, well, because Spider-Man either either because he kicked his ass once or saved his life, he has this debt of honor. The only way to relinquish it is for the two of them to fight to the death. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so um, again, you know, I'm I'm, I'm you know. Uh, skip this one. Web of Spider-Man 71 came out by Danny Fingeroth and Dave Ross artist. Uh, this one's called Fortune's Fury. It's got Dominic Fortune on the cover. It's with the caption, can even Spider-Man help Dominic Fortune against the greatest challenge? This is a rare one where uh, Alex Savick didn't do the art on Web on this issue. What's this one about and is it any good? Yeah, I'm not even so sure. Was Danny Fingeroff? I don't think he was even the regular writer. I mean, this, this has all the markings of a fill-in issue. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, is it any good? I couldn't really follow it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I know Dominic Fortune. There's some significance to this character, but I, I don't quite know exactly what his significance is. But basically, this is he's an old dude now who was uh, either a mercenary or, or yeah. something, you know, in the in decades ago. Uh, part of it has to do with uh, try, him trying to find the, who the killer was. I mean, or trying to get the killer of his son. Him fi- uh, coming to face to face with an old flame of his, who now has a daughter. Silver Sable shows up. I mean, really, it's it's one of the Fill more in. least interesting aspects of Spider-Man yeah. is when he gets involved with Silver Sable and all of this mercenary stuff. I just, yeah. you know, to me, that's uh, you know, it's 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 it's. You know, to me, it's time to take a. You know, you don't need a sleeping pill when these stories start. You know, it just uh, just read the story and, and you'll be sound asleep before you're through. So, uh, not been a good month so far. Adjectiveless Spider-Man number five, wrapping up the five-part torment story from uh, Todd McFarlane on art and writing. Yeah, I bet you're glad to see this one end. Yeah, uh, to uh, and I know I've used this joke before, but I just can't resist it. I mean, again, the torment is the, what the reader's going through reading this. Um, basically, the, this is Todd McFarlane's first uh, story arc on Agile Spider-Man. You know, issue number one sold three million. I don't know what this thing sold, but basically, Calypso, Craven's ex-squeeze, uh, takes over the the lizard and turns him into a you know a fle- you know <laughs> basically it's like uh she 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 has the idea of shed uh more than a decade before uh Zeb Wells did so um you know turns a lizard into a killing eating machine and um yeah so basically that's what the story's about and she's poisoned Spider-Man and he's trying to uh He's, he's trying to get to the lizard before the poison kills him. And all through the background, you just see the, the words doom, 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 doom. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like, it, in fact, if doom had shown up, that would have been <laughs> the door. Uh, but, you know, and then, so, so then the lizard gets, uh, the lizard gets hung until he's dead, you know, and uh, Calypso just di- disappears. <laughs> and Spider-Man crawls into his john. You know, and uh, it's like, what the hell did I just spend five issues reading? So, yeah. Uh, also, uh, Spider-Man appeared in a fun book this month that people still talk about, which is uh, Fantastic Four number 347. This one had uh, the first appearance of the the new Fantastic Four, which was uh, Ghost Rider, Hulk, uh, who else? Wolverine and Spider-Man. Right. What What did you think of this one? I, I liked it. I mean, uh, first of all, I mean, first of all, they really, the, the, the quote unquote new four doesn't really show up until the end. Yeah. Uh, so this is just the star of the story. But the, the crux of the story is that a, I believe a, um, a, uh, scroll princess or a, uh, who has been, uh, excommunicated or, or, or is a criminal, or maybe she's a criminal and she's being pursued yeah. by the scrolls. She fakes the Fantastic Four's death. Because she wants to lure, you know, to get other superheroes to go fight and kill the Skrulls for her. And she thinks that, you know, they'll do that in retaliation for the Fantastic Four's supposed death. So the first part, most of the story is her 
uh, kidnapping the four, and then she contacts. Um, uh, basically, she figures the the four most volatile heroes that she can manipulate. Yeah. Uh, and so she gets the Hulk, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and and Spider Man. Uh, okay. Those who who would probably have the most. Uh, you know, reason to really want to pursue revenge for the Fantastic Four, uh, and then the story gets started. So really, it's it's hard. To, it, it's it. I think this is. I think John Byrne was doing the art. Uh, no, no, it was Walt Simonson. Walt Simonson. Because yeah. I was thinking, I actually liked the art. I yeah, really, it was, oh, wait a minute. Really, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Walt Simonson wrote it. Art Adams drew it. That's oh, right. okay. Yeah. All right, but I, I I liked I liked the art. I liked it too. Yeah, and uh, uh, these next three, I bet you didn't pick up. Moon Knight Twenty One. You're right. Didn't 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 get hide nor hair near any one of them. He uh, also appeared in Marvel Superheroes Volume Two, Number Four. I don't know what that one's about. And also Thor Number Four Twenty Seven. You said earlier in the show you don't like Thor that much, but this one's written by DeFalco and Friends. No, I mean it's ba- you know whenever I think of the Thunder God, I always think of the time that I hit the, my, my hit was, was hammering some nails and I hit my yeah. thumb and I was thinking, God, it's Thor. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, no, it was uh, I, I didn't get any of those and it, this and as you can tell by my yeah. uh, insane ramblings, it was uh, it was a pretty below average month. Yeah. All right, uh, that segment's pretty good. Let's wrap up this show with some recommendations. Kevin, we haven't heard from you in a while. What do you recommend this month, sir? I've uh, got just a couple. Um, okay. I'd like to recommend, and this I guess is kind of me standing in for Stella not being here, I'm recommending Batgirl, mm-hmm. uh, the, the current Batgirl comic book by Brian Q. Miller. I went ahead and checked it out again on Stella's recommendation because she has made one of the most recent issues sound really fun. Uh, it was Batgirl number 14, and it was about the most fun I've had reading comics in a long-ass time. It was Batgirl and Supergirl teamed up fighting Draculas for Halloween, and it was just damn fun. (laughs) So I went ahead and picked up the next issue, number 15. It was also quite good, so I'm recommending that series if you like just good, fun comics. Nice. And I don't think I ever recommended this. A webcomic I like called Multiplex, which is about... Uh, kids who work at a movie theater, which is kind of near and dear to me because I worked at a movie theater for a year in 05. Um, he, Gordon McAlpin, the guy that does it, put out a print collection of about the first hundred some odd strips, uh, multiplex book one. I don't think it's actually doing that well sales wise for him. Diamond rejected it sadly. Um, but it's really good. It's a really good strip. It's a good book. It's got a lot of extra stuff in it for your money. So go to multiplexcomic.com, and you can buy it through his store. Check out the comic. I really recommend it. Nice. Uh, lastly, I've been listening through the archive of Views from the Long Box lately. Mm. Our yeah. friend Michael Bailey's uh, podcast. And damn, is that some good stuff. I mean, just him and a microphone is just gold. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you just... I can't imagine any comic book fan not enjoying listening to Mike Bailey talk about comics. It's just a good time. So it's been good from the beginning. His shows with Shag are great. Um, It's always good stuff. And the next one up for me, Brad, is your episode. So I'm really looking forward to that. Or your three episodes, actually, I think. With with, uh, Michael, which ones? I think it was episodes 25, 6, and 7. It was was back at at the beginning of 08. Oh, wow. That's been a while. Yeah, you were. We're actually first. we're actually discussing doing a Hulk related episode together. Yeah, and I actually just recorded yeah. another episode with Mike uh, talking about Superman Earth One, which uh, by JMS, which I think should be out by the time this comes out. I think he said it was coming out the thirteenth. Mm-hmm. So definitely check that out too. But I recommend yeah the whole archive of views from the long box. It's nice. good stuff. Jr., what do you like this month? Uh, not a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen any movies or TV shows or comics or anything? Well, uh, God, I, uh, no. No? <laughs> I, I, went to, I went to see, we went to see Megamind, but I think I talked about that the yeah, last time. Yeah, sucked. Much, how much I didn't care for it. And uh, I'm trying to think, I think I t- took Spencer to a movie here recently, but I don't honestly remember it. That's how memorable it was. So, no, not a thing. I just, it, it's been, uh, I've really been uh, kind of overwhelmed with work and uh, trying to get a lot of work in my basement done. Um, I meant so, to ask uh, you, is your Wii fixed? Were you able to fix your Wii? No, no, couldn't fix it. Oh, <laughs> that sounds uh, bad, but... <laughs> I know. Were you able to fix your Wii? <laughs> yeah. Is it, I yeah. guess it's just a loss? I mean, is it played too much or what? I, that's awful. Uh, well, you know, I, I talked with a number of people, yeah. and it sounds like 
it sounds like that's not unusual that it gives no, out sucks. after. I mean, some some last longer than others, uh, but uh, you know, apparently, unlike games like the GameCube and some of these other games, which are simpler and can run forever, the Wii is a bit more vulnerable to things like dust and debris and mm. stuff in the air and dog hair and 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 soldered wires coming you know coming apart and. It was, uh, you know, nobody nobody indicated I got ripped off, but it was like three years. Well, yeah, that's about right. That sucks, dude. Yeah, it does. All right, my recommendations is one's aimed at JR. Uh, oh! <laughs> I didn't mean to hit you that hard. Uh, I read, this has been on my to-read pile for literally about five or six months, and I finally have gone deep into the pile, and I picked up Avengers Academy, uh, number one. I've read two issues so far, and it starts off with these kids that Norman Osborn recruits to be the future villains. And he loses his power, and these kids are left wondering, how do I train for these powers? And so they go to the Avengers, and it's eventually revealed that the Avengers are kind of scared over, scared of them because how powerful they will get. Because if Norman Osborn was interested in them, they gotta be pretty powerful. So it's a good eclectic blend of characters, uh, new characters introduced with some old ones, like the old no- new warriors like, uh, Speedball and Justice and, uh, Tigra and Hank Pym. So it's oh, a good- Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. What Speedball Penance? He got better. He got better. Oh. <laughs> He's back to- it- He's back to his old ways. He's uh, he's kind of uh, uh, reforming. In other words, pen- the whole penance idea was an utter disaster, right? Pretty much. He's 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 got depths to his character now. But uh, Norman makes an appearance in, episode, in the first issue and the second issue. And I, if you want to look for them, they're solid reads, I think. Uh, TV show and a, two TV shows and a video game. Uh, Dexter. Has yeah. slowly been building this season. I, I, I was wondering how they're going to top, uh, oh, what's his name from Third Rock from the Sun? <laughs> John Lithgow. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Uh, but there, it's not as good as last season, in my opinion, but it's still a very, very good season. And I'm looking forward to, uh, the season finale, which is happening tonight and will probably have already happened by the time I edit this show. But, uh, another good season out of Dexter. I like that show a lot. I cut, a, after I watched, uh, the Lithgow season, that was the very first season I watched all the way through. I went back and got seasons one to three on DVD and just loved the hell out of them. So all the Dexter you can get, enjoy them. Uh, except, except for the uh, Dexter doll at Toys R Us. Don't get that for your kids. Yeah, yeah you're good. <laughs> the hell, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin didn't like it, but I did. I enjoyed the short sixth season of uh, Walking Dead. It's now my new favorite show on tele. Well, yeah, new favorite show on television. Uh that kind of replaces that lost feel. I, hopefully they don't have an ending that sucked it as bad as lost. But uh, <laughs> Walking Dead, I liked it so much I ordered something non-Marvel. I went back and I ordered uh, the Walking Dead compendium, which is like a thousand pages. And I'm going to plow through that thing because I really dig the book or the TV show. Uh, I ordered this game. I have not put it in my PS3 yet, but everybody, Stella, everybody has... Uh, said this is such a great, great, great game. I got a good deal on it on Black Friday. Uncharted 2. I enjoyed uh, the very first Uncharted. This is like an uh, Indiana Jones type of game, uh, and it's just love the first one. I'm looking forward to plowing into the second one. Maybe next month I'll give you an update if it sucks or not. I don't think it's going to suck. Okay. Merry Christmas to all the listeners. Happy holidays to all the listeners. It's been another successful 2010 for the Crawl Space. I appreciate everyone listening. And uh, sticking with the site, it's been a tough year, but uh, it, nothing can top me being a daddy. And so that's one of the best years I've ever had. And you guys are a part of it. So thank you, my friends. And thank the two gentlemen on the line for so long with me. You two are truly some of my best friends, and I appreciate it. And likewise, BD. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Although I guess I would, this is where I impersonate Richard Gere, an officer yeah. and gentleman, and just say, I got nowhere else to go! <laughs> but no, it's 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 been a blast. I mean, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, we, you know, a lot of it's 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 fun to have. I mean, you know, we're I think we're all friends, and yeah. uh, we I think we genuinely enjoy getting together, and uh, it's it's always fun. Yeah, it's a once a month deal. It's talking comics with some of your best friends. So, even though we've never met in person, <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen, thank you again. And we'll wrap the show up right about there. Again, I'm sorry for not getting this shot in December. I really do apologize. But before we go, 
I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com, for offering great deals month in and month out. Another spider-related example this month is the Venom by Daniel Way Ultimate Collection Trade Paperback. This one collects uh, Venom's short-lived 18-issue ongoing series from the early 2000s. It's 424 pages, and the cover price is 35 bucks. Mail order has it for just $21.69, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com.